Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, through though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. The reading is from Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. In the Church Bibles, it's found on page 1000. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Just begin with a prayer. Father, I ask that you would open our hearts to hear your words this morning. Bless us with the Holy Spirit. Amen. What if in the next few minutes you could find out how to be the person that God made you to be? How you could be energized and excited, renewed even, 
as you watch the Holy Spirit working. How could this be, I hear you ask? Firstly, I want to say that I know many of you are already doing so much, and I want to thank you for that. Without you, we couldn't do much of what we already do, and we certainly wouldn't be such a welcoming community at St. Matthew's. But as you may have noticed, it's Serving Sunday. If you haven't, I admire how you've got to this point of the service and not realised it, but perhaps now you need to wake up. It's also Trinity Sunday, but as I am sure you're as grateful as me that I don't have to construct a 20-minute sermon on the mystery of the Trinity. I think we've both got off quite lightly. It's also Kids' Church Odd Shoe Day, which is why I'm stood here like this. I just wanted to mention that in case you thought I'd finally lost it. Maybe I have finally lost it too. In our reading from Matthew's Gospel, we've got the Great Commission. It sounds fantastic, invigorating. Stuff that makes you want to get up and go and change the world. This is the passage that has sent hundreds of missionaries around the world into seemingly impossible situations. I find it really interesting that Matthew puts in an almost throwaway comment, one that, to be quite honest, I hadn't even thought about um, until I looked at the commentaries. In verse 17, in our version, it says, though he some doubted. In the version, um, other older translations, it says, though some hesitated. What's that about? Is it reluctance to enter into complete submission to Christ? Is it fear of what these poor disciples might be asked to do? Is it reverence that they've finally understood how much Jesus has done for them? It makes the whole passage so much more human for me. I hesitate. I am unsure. What is it Jesus is going to ask of me now? What if I can't do it? What if the cost is just too much? What if I end up so committed I have no time? Isn't this where all of us feel sometimes? I think Paul, in the reading we had from Romans, helps us to unpack all this a little, to bring it in focus for the here and now. This is not faith by works. There is nothing that you or I can do or say to make God love us even more or even less. The work of salvation has already been done once and for all on the cross. This is not about pleasing a disapproving, angry parent, but a response because of the free grace and love that has been showered on us. It is bringing our whole lives as a worship offering to God. Part of the transforming of our minds that Paul talks about is allowing God's love to filter in so that we can respond freely in worship. And our worship is everything that we do. 
not in our own strength, but by the transforming of our minds. This is God's work. All we need to do is allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. We will all make mistakes, do things at best from mixed motives, but we can allow the Holy Spirit into that, confess our need of him, thank him for guiding and leading us. This is a lifetime's work, not something we're going to achieve achieve in one morning, but serving is a good way to start. All of us are part of this work. We are all poorer if one of us isn't here or isn't using their gifts. It's not about an individual finding fulfillment, but about all of us growing and learning and serving together. And from that, reaching out and serving the community as well as each other. I've asked Emma to come up and just tell us a bit about what she does. So, Emma, can you just tell us what, you, what it is you do? Okay, well, I'm obviously part of the, the, the music group, and also I help lead a bit of worship as well on Sunday evenings, um, and also on the, the ladies' mornings as well. And how do you find that? Well, originally, um, it, was, it, was quite, it was quite difficult, because I've got some musical ability but I never thought I had amazing amounts of musical ability and I used to do a lot when I was younger but I sort of abandoned it because life got in the way um, for probably about 15 years so actually Adam asked you know whether anybody wanted to help out in the music group a long time ago now and I thought well I've got some musical ability but more importantly I enjoy music and I've got quite a big heart for worship as well so I thought well actually I have got a bit of a gift there um, I think it's important for me to maybe do something with that. And, you know, the church needed extra musicians. So um, I kind of signed up for that and lacked a little bit of confidence to begin with, but prayed about it and spent a lot of time just on my own at home, playing the piano, playing my guitar, and just worshipping myself and asking the Lord to give me more ability and more confidence. And actually, he's done that. And I, I really enjoy it. Now, it's an amazing opportunity to be able to do this. I know you've really answered my next question. I was going to say, do you absolutely hate it? Is it awful? <laughs> is, does, does Adam, does he, is he horrible to you every day? No, not at all. And I think the, the most important thing is that you know, everybody's so encouraging. And, and Adam one, you know, is one person who's been really encouraging to all of us in the music team. And I think every single one of us has come with, with a small amount of ability and, and some... For example, Johnny came with absolutely no, um, <laughs> no experience, but he did have ability. <laughs> and um, I don't think he'd actually picked up the drum, you know, pair of drumsticks, and then he came along, and, and, and I know that he's practicing a lot, and I know that God's honored him. So, and, and we've all kind of evolved as a, as a music team, and um, we share a lot of fellowship together and time just worshiping God, and we just it's really, really do enjoy it. It's, it's you know, it's given me something in my life to, to do other than just work all the time and do something for God as well. Thank you. Thank you very much, Emma. So, really, as Emma has... I need, needn't bother with the rest of the sermon because she said it all, really. The gifts start with grace and with love, not in us thinking that we have to do something. 
we get caught up in the divine plan of generosity and hospitality. We pray your kingdom come at least weekly at every service. And it's part of the Lord's Prayer. The expectation surely should be that we will be called upon to bring God's answer to it. As we get to know God, he will show us where and when we serve. And it's often in serving that we grow ourselves and find God's blessing, as, as Emma has said. This list Paul gives us is quite daunting. Prophecy, teaching, encouraging. But this list is not exhaustive. God made each one of us and gave us all gifts. Gifts to be used so that we can all grow. If you know what someone else's gift is, then, you, then tell them, encourage them. If you aren't sure what your gift is, ask. I bet your friends all think it's so blindingly obvious that they don't have to tell you. The world is full of adults who are gifted and talented, but who lack the confidence and think they have nothing to offer the world because they aren't encouraged by others who can see their talents. Maybe that's why Jesus encouraged us to be like children as we approach him. In verse 2, Paul exhorts us not to conform to the pattern of this world. This is a huge challenge, but one which will make all the difference. If our priority is serving God, other things pale into insignificance. The world won't like it as we move away from the materialism and shallowness that is pushed at us from every quarter. This is part of the transforming of our minds and again will offer hope to a broken world as they see the love and grace that will be a product of serving each other. Our serving is as a response to God's abundant grace and love. And for Paul, the mind and body are so closely connected that they must work as one coherent unit. Now, I know there will be some of you today who are exhausted, who are wrung out and feel they can't possibly give any more. If that is you, please don't feel any pressure. Rest and enjoy. There will be a season when you will give for others. But perhaps for now, your gift is simply being here when you can and allowing others to care for you. Paul uses shocking terms that would have resonated in his time and culture of sacrificing yourself at the temple. The difference here is that instead of the sacrifice being laid at the altar to be killed... The Christian self-offering is all about coming alive with a new life that bursts out in amazing and unexpected ways. So what would be the result of us giving our all to the Holy Spirit? In AD 25, nobody outside a small region called Galilee had heard the gospel. By AD 50, there were riots in Rome because of Jesus. Jesus. 
And by AD 65, his followers were being persecuted because of their faith. From there, the gospel spread to the whole world. And this because some no-hopers who were worried about who would be the best in heaven realized that through the love and grace of Jesus, they could become the people God had made them to be. They were energized and excited by the work God had for them, and they chose to serve each other and the church with their gifts. As we come up uh, to communion today, let's each ask God what it is we should be doing at St. Matthew's and allow God to start to transform your mind and use us all. Amen.